0: welcome to the strong john fitness podcast this show is dedicated to helping you achieve your best body without the bs we'll cover training nutrition basically everything you need for a successful fitness journey and we'll have some fun along the way i'm your host john let's get into it All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We have our first repeat guest. So actually, Amanda, I didn't tell you you're, you're making history here on the podcast.
1: Oh, I feel so special. You're, you're
0: the first repeat. Uh, we had our first uh, episode February this year. I forget what number, episode 40-something. Um, and we really got to dig into a lot of stuff, which was great. And now you're back. And now we're going to dig into some other stuff, which is also going to be great. Um, if you want to give a brief intro reminders to who you are and what you do. That'd be amazing. Uh, So I'm sure we got some new listeners that uh, would love to know.
1: Well, thank you for welcoming back. I feel truly honored that I'm your first repeat guest. So thank you. And uh, I'm Amanda Schistler. My business is currently AS Fitness, although it might be something else soon. Um, We're going through a rebrand right now. And I most most of the time work with moms between the ages of about 28 to 45 and their history is chronic dieting. They've done all the keto weight watchers, you name it. They've done it, pills, shakes, and they just feel kind of lost. Like they don't know what else to do. They're stuck. And I help them kind of break through that barrier of that chronic dieting cycle and get them to, to eat more sustainably and get results that, you know, never have to go back on one of those awful diets ever again
0: Mm -hmm. i love that yeah we share we share similar um avatar niche i guess you can say um what is it for you because i know you went through your own fitness journey um was that what sparked you wanted to work with moms and help them kind of change the course of their health and fitness
1: i would say one i i guess i get moms because i am a mom. Um, now I do have a team of coaches that work with me and one of them is not a mom and she still helps moms. So um I don't know, I just felt like over the course of my career I have just gravitated towards helping moms because I feel like moms are not great at prioritizing themselves. Been guilty of that myself many times and I want to help women most specifically moms understand that if you are not helping yourself it's that much harder to help your kids and your spouse and and take care of everyone else and it's not selfish to prioritize yourself it's it's essential
0: i love that yeah let's let's dig into that more because i think people need to hear it over and over again and i know again i'm not a mom i am a father you know i've seen my wife go through you know two pregnancies and i have two kids so i've been there just not you know officially uh, the mom part of things but you know, digging into this selfish versus prioritizing versus selfless, like how do you help women and moms see things differently when they're so used to putting themselves in the back burner?
1: Well, we usually start in baby steps, so if I get a mom that's like, "I have such a busy schedule, I don't know where I'm going to find the time to fit myself in there. We usually do a time audit with like a somebody who's very busy. And we find all the places that that person is wasting time in the day. Because whether anybody wants to admit it, we all waste time somewhere. Mm. There is always time for yourself. And that doesn't have to look like an hour workout. That can be 10 minutes. But it's so much easier, in my opinion, to start small and build on that than to just jump right into something extreme like, you know, trying to make somebody find an hour to work out or three hours on the weekend to meal prep. It's let's meet someone where they are and then find little ways to start prioritizing themselves, whether that's sleeping better, drinking more water, whatever that looks like.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, you might agree with me here is usually the biggest problem is when a mom wants to start her fitness journey up again, she's like, okay, I'm ready. They kind of think of like, okay, I have to do all of the things. Like they go from doing nothing, let's say, to like they want to do hour workouts six days a week, you know, cut all the and do all the things. How do you prevent them from trying to jump to that all or nothing approach or or get them away from that?
1: I couldn't agree more. I know that's because everyone is super motivated in, in the beginning. Everyone's like, I got this, I'm so excited. So they want to overhaul their life. But if anyone's ever tried that, that does not work. I know I tried to do all those things many times before I realized like, okay, I don't need to, to change my whole life to see, to see positive changes in my body, my lifestyle, et cetera. So, um, we try to get the lowest hanging fruit. You know, if somebody's only sleeping five hours a night, then maybe we need to focus on just getting a good night's rest. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you're rested, you're going to show up a lot better. You're going to show up and make better decisions. If you're not sleeping well, then you're Craving food that you don't want to be eating and all that other stuff. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: lowest hanging fruit and making women realize, like, if you've done this already, you know it doesn't work. Let's not repeat a cycle that isn't going to move the needle forward.
0: Yeah. It's tough, though, because I find, you know, moms predominantly, I think on my roster, they're usually over 35, 40 ish. At that age, they've tried so many different things. But I think what happens, you know, and it's a ton of mental programming or reprogramming is they look back to when they were feeling good on said diet but maybe not remembering how shitty it felt to start it or you know to stay on it they just remember that glimpse of like I remember how good I felt but you know it wasn't sustainable obviously like the weight didn't didn't stay off if it was five years two years ten years ago um, so having that mental reprogramming is, is huge I find for them as well
1: yeah absolutely and and I know that's challenging to to do as a person, it's challenging as a coach. Like, I feel like most of what I do is deprogramming a lot of really bad information or bad habits that people have picked up from just dieting or restricting or their friend at the office who told them, you know, if you, if you eat carbs, you're going to get fat, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah.
0: Would love that friend at the office, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I had a client text me last night or this morning. And she was like, like, this is, it's kind of surreal because you have me eating more food and exercising less than I used to. And I feel like I need to go jump on that treadmill every day to burn off the calories I'm eating. And I'm like, where you're at right now is, is perfect. Like, this is where we need to be. We need to like lean into this feeling because it's uncomfortable. It's new, but that's what you're missing. And, and for most moms, and you could probably speak to this is you go on a crash diet. You might feel good for a month or two, maybe, and then it's done. And then you're like, okay, well, then you go backwards. And it's kind of just thrown by the wayside until you want to try it again. Um, so getting that repeat cycle, that reprogramming, like you can eat carbs and food and, and have glasses of wine or whatever it might be guilt free. And you can still see positive progress.
1: Yeah, I think the only reason people feel, quote, unquote, good in the beginning of a crash diet is because they tell themselves, I can't have These lists of foods. So they remove, you know, processed food and start eating more fruits and vegetables. So they feel a little bit better, although they're Mm. usually not eating enough. So, yeah, when you remove all that processed food from your diet, you're going to feel better in the beginning. But if you're not eating enough calories total, then obviously that catches up to you and you realize, like, okay, I have no energy. I feel like crap now.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. And so I'm glad you bring that up actually because. No, while processed foods aren't the devil, they're definitely, they can be harmful or helpful in, in a, in a diet, you know, depending on who you are, but you're right. When someone starts having healthier foods more often, even though it's too low of a calorie, you would feel better. Like mm-hmm. I, I know when I have weeks full of fruits and veg, I'm like, I, I feel better. And I'm like, Oh, no shit. I'm eating more fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. instead of uh, crap all the time. But what happens, I think with these crash diets is you mentioned already too low calories and for me it's protein Mm
2: -hmm. i talk
0: about protein probably more than anything else and i'm sure my clients are annoyed with me by now about it but how do you help these moms get more protein in their diet because most crash diets it's just like eat fruits and veg eat clean whatever that means Mm -hmm. but protein usually ends up being like 50 grams for the day
1: exactly oh my gosh we're lucky if we get people eating that much when they come to us a lot of our clients are eating like 30 to 40 grams no man yeah um we first just tell them, let's get a protein on every plate. Who cares what the quantity is? Let's nice. just get in the habit of eating a protein on every plate. So in the morning, that might be a Greek yogurt. In the af- you know, lunch, that might be three ounces of chicken on a salad. and dinner, a piece of salmon. Like Instead of focusing so much on the quantity at that point, it's mm-hmm. just creating this habit of getting protein in every meal. Because you know, once somebody gets in the habit of eating protein in every meal, it's that much easier just to increase the quantity. It's literally like the difference of eating a few more bites. And that's what people don't realize is like, okay, if I just ate a bigger serving of this protein at breakfast, I would meet my goal instead of trying to find all these little hacks throughout the day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's a few things about protein that always kind of grind my gears. One of them is, um, and, and probably this is just because that they're used to eating quantities is like, I can't eat that much food. Mm-hmm. So if I've, if I've told someone to stop eating just one egg for breakfast, because one egg is, you know, my toddler eats more than that. <laughs> um, having two or three eggs to me is a standard kind of adult breakfast. But then you have people saying that's too much. I can't eat all that part of it. And maybe you can attest this, maybe you can't, is they're just not used to that much food on one plate. They're used to tiny, tiny meals mm-hmm. in an attempt to diet down and things like that. Where do you, where do you find that with the clients?
1: So I think a big part of it is when people are adapted, metabolically adapted to these low calorie intakes, they've down-regulated their satiety hormones for one. Mm. So their body's just not producing enough ghrelin to tell their brain that they're hungry. And unfortunately mm. the only way to start to bring these hormones back or these hunger cues is to kind of force yourself to eat when you're not that hungry. Yeah. So if somebody doesn't have a great appetite, especially in the morning, this is something that seems to be very common is we hear, I'm not hungry when I wake up. I'm not Mm -hmm. hungry until lunchtime. Okay, that's fine. If you're not used to eating breakfast, you've taught your body, you're not getting breakfast. It's not going to be hungry in the morning. So maybe we aim for liquid calories in the morning or even higher quantities of fat just to get their calories up. Because you know, most fats are not volume, they're like oil, butter, peanuts whatever um, so that can boost someone's calories without necessarily putting all this volume into their stomach and then obviously as time goes on they usually do start to have their stomach expand a little bit more as they get more food in there they see like oh my gosh I'm eating more calories but I'm not getting fatter I actually feel so much better it's just I feel like it's a process and that's mm-hmm. that's hard for people to accept sometimes in the beginning of like this is a process this is not quick. And I tell people right off the bat, like, if you're coming to work with me, get the word quick out of your vocabulary. Nothing yeah. we do is going to be quick. That's not sexy. It's not what anybody wants to hear. But if you want this to work forever, mm-hmm. this is the only way you can do it. It's 100%. Only, only way. And
0: I think the the part of it is the buy-in, right? If, if there's a huge trust coming in, clients that usually are the most successful have the most buy-in. They trust us. They trust the process. But it is hard, like telling women that have chronically dieted that you need to eat more food to lose weight over time. They're like, how, like, mm-hmm. how does that make sense? Because every time I've, you know, lost 20 pounds, I was eating next to nothing. And I'm like, well, you, this is what we have to get away from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's been a few clients I can think of where it's like, can we get some sneaky calories in? Can we just have some food? You know, even if it's not like you're not starving, let's just let's put something in your system. Cause you're, you're going to need it. You have to almost train your body to crave food again, which is a really weird thing to say That's as weird. coming from a guy who just seems to want to eat all the time. Um, one big thing with the morning appetite, I find most of the time it's a cycle, not hungry in the morning, you no know, small lunch, massive dinner, snacks after dinner, you're full, you're stuffed into the morning. And then it starts again, not hungry in the morning, small lunch, overeating. Do you find that happens often too?
1: Or, I think that cycle is really accurate. I think something else that happens a lot is the first thing that women do when they wake up is drink a cup of coffee. Yeah, Caffeine is an appetite suppressant. So if you already don't have an appetite, you're now putting this drug and I love caffeine. I'm not crapping on caffeine over here, but you're just telling your body yet again, it's not time to eat. So by the time the caffeine starts to wear off, it's lunchtime. Um, If... I get like a good mix of clients that tell me they're starving by the time lunch comes around because Mm -hmm. they haven't had breakfast or that's that cycle of like, okay, I only have enough time to eat this quick lunch. But by the time they get home, they're snacking on their way home or hitting the drive through before they even get home because they're starving on their way Mm -hmm. to go and cook dinner. And then like you said, they snack all the way up until bedtime because they've been so deficient in calories all day long that now their body's like, okay, I really need some fuel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. Cause like, it's not, it's not one fell swoop thing that changes it all. It, you just laid out the process of what happens, right? If you're having caffeine till lunch, you eat a small lunch, you're going to be eating all day. You're, you're hungry. And you know one big thing I try to push with clients is just have water first. Like don't jump right to the coffee, give your body and your brain some time to just wake up naturally a little bit i love coffee as much as the next person caffeine addict for 15 years like i've been taking pre-workout and coffee for too long let's just say so i get it but it's like give yourself that water you know nourish your body a little bit um and maybe it sucks to say maybe cut down on the size of of the coffee too like if you're having a large one the liquid's gonna fill up your stomach plus the the caffeine's gonna add that suppressant it's no wonder you're not hungry till about one one or two o'clock
1: Yeah. And this has unfortunate consequences on the adrenal glands specifically, especially for women. So if you're a woman that's really stressed out, which I feel like most moms are, we got a lot on our plates. Um, and then you're waking up, you're giving your body something else that stresses it out, which is caffeine. You're not feeding it. Uh, this creates cortisol problems. Um, I cannot tell you how many women that we work with have, I don't want to say depleted their adrenals because adrenal fatigue is not a real thing, but there is something called HPA axis, um, syndrome, which I think is what people mix up for adrenal fatigue.
2: But, Mm.
1: you know, if your cortisol levels are out of whack, this cycle exacerbates this problem. And the more we're working with women and, and diving into their hormones, we're seeing this a lot. So, like you're saying, water is one of the best things you can do for your body. Drink eight glass, eight glasses, eight ounces <laughs> when you wake up. Um, I don't know what the conversion of that is for Canadians because we don't use the metric system in the United <laughs> <That's> States. <funny. laughs> um, but yeah, water and something to eat. I tell my clients you can't have your coffee until you have something small to eat and some water, and they don't love that. But when they get on board with it and they do it, they all tell me, oh my God, I feel way better. And actually I have more energy drinking water and eating food than the caffeine. Imagine that. Imagine
0: that. Imagine feeling better having water and food. Instead of a
1: drug. (laughs)
0: Instead of drugs all the time. I mean, fair. Um, I mean, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, mom's arguably the most stressed out population, you know, especially in North America, I'd say, because I can only speak to that. So adding in, you know, you have stress from work, stress from the kids, stress from just household stuff, because moms seem to take the brunt of that. And then you're adding stressful workouts, potentially, if, if you're the type of mom who does a shit ton of circuits or hit training or boot game classes, you know, we can talk all about that, too. I mean, workouts themselves are stressful, even if strength training, but it's a, it's a good stressor. And then you add in alcohol and you add in caffeine and you're, you're creating this lifestyle cocktail of stress. So while you're in the thick of things, you might not recognize it. But if you zoom out, like no shit, I'm bloated. I'm craving things all the time. I'm not sleeping well. I'm tired. And then it just leads to more and more frustration. Like, why am I not seeing progress?
1: Absolutely.
0: I might've oversimplified it a little bit, but you can attest to a little bit of that.
1: Yeah. Sometimes we have to take that 30,000 foot view away from ourselves and really be honest about these habits that we have. Like they're just habits. And these habits can be replaced with better habits. You know, habits are something you create over time. So people who are in this cycle, this is just a loop, a pattern loop that they've created over however many years. Mm. You know? And it can be broken, You but you have to have awareness first. You have to be honest and aware that you are doing these things so that you can interject better habits in place of, of what you're already doing. And really... Yeah. Getting healthier is that simple. I mean, it's that simple but that complicated in the
0: same
2: time.
1: I,
0: awareness is I'm glad you bring that up because to me, awareness is is huge. Sometimes I've I've had pockets of of life this year where you're just you're just flying by the seat of your pants. You're not really stopping to think or breathe or like, what am I actually doing? You're just in that loop. And I think knowing yourself is huge. It's like knowing your tendencies of hey, like I like to eat after nine, or I find myself wanting something to eat at four. Like if you can pinpoint these things in your day, then you can start to change the habits. And then like Amanda said in the beginning, not all of them at once, but start with one, start with a small
1: step. Um, and I
0: think water before coffee in the morning is probably like the best step for everybody.
1: It's so easy. Yeah. I mean, and if you don't like plain water, find a way to make it palatable, put a crystal light in it, put fruit in it, put squeeze an orange into it, whatever you have to do. like. Need it. You need it. <laughs> it's that it's, simple.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like you just it, it gets overlooked, I think, too, because it's simple. It's water. Like, oh, it's just water. But like you, you need it. And I think everyone that I've gotten to drinking up to two liters a day, they feel better. Digestion's better, bloating's down, energy's up, it's it's you know, skin feels better, it's all these things and it's it's just water.
1: Literally the most basic shit makes the biggest effect in people's health and people they don't want to accept that because it just seems too simple. Like, Oh, if I'm sleeping well quality seven to nine hours every night and I'm drinking enough water every day and I'm eating six servings of fruits and veggies and lean protein, I'm going to feel like a million bucks. Like that just seems way too easy.
0: That's, that's we, the fitness we, industry to blame for that. Exactly. though right? That's right. It's not sexy.
1: It's not sexy. Yeah. It doesn't sell.
0: It doesn't. I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, I tell people all the time fitness isn't it's not supposed to be sexy like the results are sexy it's great the word sexy is going to be a theme for this podcast cuz we're going to dig into that after but um doing the repetitive shit every day and the basics you know drinking water before coffee you know having vegetables vegetables are like the least sexy thing on planet earth like who fucking wants to eat vegetables <laughs> most of the time um but it's just that th- it's the things you do repeating workouts progressing in the workouts not switching them up all the time not completely like drenching yourself at the gym because you feel you have to break a sweat like crazy that's that's the stuff that you just just do the repeat in and out day in day out and that's how you see results
1: yeah it's like the people who are super ripped or athletic or lean whatever aesthetic you desire they got there by doing the most boring stuff over and over. Like, that's why I don't show my workouts on social media anymore, because it would be very boring to watch me do the same workouts every single week. The only difference is there's like maybe another plate on the bar (laughs) the next week.
0: It's interesting because like, I think our audiences would benefit from seeing us work out, even though the content would perform poorly because it's boring we're not over here doing backflips and booty bands on handstands and like you know what i mean so like that stuff catches eyes but like you said it everyone that's in great physical shape didn't get there from the weird stuff for the fancy stuff it's literally the just hammering home the basics i remember watching i remember seeing like bowflex commercials and, and p90x i'm like a these guys are on some like extra stuff if you know what i mean um, cool. b there's no way this is all they did like a 15 minute you know 30 second pump a day to get jacked i'm like that's not that's not it so part of me is like yeah, i don't i don't love filming more workouts because they're it's just the same shit but in that same token i'm like maybe i should start just to show people like yeah i'm doing squats sure. again yeah yeah i'm doing incline bench again <laughs> like,
1: workout last week. yeah the thing is is like it doesn't seem exciting from the outside and like when you look at the exercises themselves like i just do very basic movements but To me, they're exciting because I'm progressing and I'm like, woohoo, I just did this five more pounds than I did last week or I did three more reps. And over time, that stuff I feel like becomes more gratifying Mm -hmm. and looking a certain way. But most people, I don't think, get to experience that until they've been in it for a little while.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a big point. And also, I mean, when people are wanting to lose weight or make body composition changes, I think progress in the gym falls by the wayside. Like it's not even a thought because it's just what they see. And I think that's something that maybe I need to talk about more too, is just talking about getting stronger is as important as getting your vegetables in and getting your proteins and things like that, because you do feel better when you do make progress in the gym. And one client was like, yeah, I graduated to my big girl program. I'm like, that's awesome. Like that's the kind of stuff that pumps me up when they're excited to do it. Um, Have you found that has been difficult for your clients coming in or they're already kind of seasoned with workouts?
1: No, I don't get a lot of seasoned exercisers. And if I do, they're like, history is like marathon running. So, oh,
2: okay.
1: so it's like, I have to train, get people out of this like cardio bunny mindset and into a strength training mindset. But I will say we get mostly positive feedback when people start lifting and getting stronger. They're a little bit nervous in the beginning, but once we get them up to like some heavier weights and they, mm see that they can actually move those weights, they're like, oh wow, I didn't think I would ever get here. And this is really fun. Or, you know, a lot of our clients start out at home, but we get them so strong on like their home weights, we're like, you really are gonna have to join a gym as scary as that is, because you're either have to spend a ton of money on like better equipment at home or yeah. just spend thirty dollars a month to go to a gym. And yeah. That's really fun to watch because then people are like putting themselves in a new uncomfortable situation, a gym environment, which mm. can be really intimidating. And then they go in there and they realize that actually 90% of the people in there have no idea what the hell they're doing anyway. So they're like the 10% that has a plan.
2: Yeah. It's like
1: you go in there with a plan, you feel more confident anyway. Like when, 100%.
0: I feel
1: like most people go there, they, they don't know what to do. They just see these machines, these bars, these weights, mm. and they're like, well, what do I do with it? know you knew yeah. what to do with it, you would feel more confident.
0: It's true. Yeah, going in the gym feeling lost is already kind of climbing uphill in a way if you don't have a plan. Um, and it's funny, too. Like, anyone that came on over the last couple of years, a lot of my clients have, have worked out from home. Mm-hmm. So, I tell them, look, you're going to need heavier dumbbells. Like, if, you, if they weren't already equipped with, like, a bar and stuff like that, like, you're going to get stronger than the 50-pound dumbbells that you own. Like, I promise you. And then, like, two months in, they're like, yeah, you're right.
2: Yeah. I have like
0: one guy who's got, like, he... He grabbed 80-pound dumbbells from – from was it Fitness Depot or anything like that? Like He was just – he won't go to a gym, and that's fine. I'm not going to force him to, but he, he grabbed – like over the course of the last two years, he picked up everywhere from like fives to eighties almost incrementally. So he's got his stuff laid out. He's too strong for a lot of exercises still. I'm like, I'm going to buy you a barbell or something, man, because this is getting ridiculous. Um, part of it too, though – like, cause gyms, especially here in Ontario, were shut down for like two years straight. Mm-hmm. Do you find people are even more resistant to going to the gym after?
1: No, I feel no. like Americans are like, fuck COVID. That's long behind <laughs> us. We don't care anymore. I mean, of course there's like still a percentage of people that are very cautious and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at least in the state where I live, most people here, you would never know COVID ever was a thing. Fair. Is a thing still going around? People yeah. here just... Back to regular scheduled programming.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I mean more from like a personal like gym intimidation type thing. They're like, um, well, I haven't been because it's been closed. I'm nervous to go back.
1: Not a lot. Not not a lot for me specifically. I've yeah. A couple people. Most of the time the objection is I, I'm too intimidated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel comfortable in a weight rack or... Even if I tell people like I'm going to start you off on a ma- on machines just until you feel comfortable with the gym yeah, yeah. environment, a lot sometimes people are like, "I'm just not ready," or "I that's yeah. never going to happen," and that's fine. We work with those people as best as we can, but then it's the same conversation of like, "Okay, well then maybe you're going to need to buy some adjustable like Bowflex dumbbells that go mm-hmm. from five to fifty pounds because these ten pound dumbbells you're going to max out on them very fast."
0: Yeah, it's going to take like a month a day. yeah that's true yeah <laughs> a week and the thing with gym intimidation is, is interesting too like people that don't know me will assume i'm a meathead which i can be but like over the years of do of going to different gyms like i've suffered big time of like being nervous or anxious going to a new gym in me a new too. place like i think people assume those that are in better shape or, or physically fit don't have that filter because they're fit it's not the case. Every place I've been to, I've seen people in better shape than myself are, are quieter and more reserved than I am or more shy or more introverted. And like, I w- used to work at and go to a gym that everyone there was strong as fuck. So like, it was already kind of intimidating kind of gym, but I loved it because everyone was super nice mm-hmm. and it pushed me to, to, to step get up stronger. Yeah. To yeah. step up. So it was mm-hmm. great. Um, do you find that you like, you've suffered same thing intimidated oh, by different gyms?
1: Absolutely. Like, yeah. You know, same thing. Like I've gone to new gyms where the women in there are way better looking. And I'm like, it's intimidating. But also I think as like a newbie, you have to recognize that the seasoned people are not judging the unseasoned people. I honestly have never met a single person in great athletic shape who's looking at the other people in there who are deconditioned and like judging them. Yeah. And I know that doesn't, maybe doesn't feel that way when you're new and Mm -hmm. you see like these strong people walking around, but everyone starts off that way. And even when I go somewhere new, like if I travel and I work out at at a gym as like a guest for a week, it is, it is scary. You don't know that environment. You don't Mm -hmm. know the crowd. Um. So I'm always the funny thing is what I'm self-conscious of is, is like my strength. I'm like, okay, this chick is like pressing way more than I am. <laughs> Not like she necessarily looks better than me. It's like, yeah. shit, I'm weak compared to these people. So now I feel embarrassed that I can't lift as much as them. Mm.
0: I feel like we all have that comparison at one point or another, but I think you're right. Like the, the people that have been in the best shape that I've met over the years have been the nicest and they're, and usually they're more looking out for others and like to help them. If someone gets like stuck or doesn't know what to do with the machine, I find those that have been in the gym environment for like 10 plus years are just there to go and help. Like they're, they're happy to give advice when necessary the the videos you see online aren't from seasoned gym people. They're, they're the outliers. They're the dickheads. People that, you know, don't care about others or they're just looking for internet fame or whatever. Oh,
2: exactly. Yeah, that's Still not your it's... average. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's talk rebrand because I, I don't want to miss out on this. So you, when we talked about having you back on the podcast, which again, thank you for being here. Um, you talked about having a new kind of angle on on helping moms and in, in the mindset around things. I'm not going to try to explain it. It's not my thing. I'd love for <laughs> you to kind of describe what you've seen. and and where you're headed, even if it's not fully finished yet.
1: Sure. So um, one thing my team and I do is work with a lot of women's hormones, specifically sex hormones. And one thing we've kind of, I will say, ignored because it can feel uncomfortable, even as coaches to bring this up is like talking about sex or libido, um, and ultimately, like feeling sexy. But to be honest, these are topics I'm actually very passionate about. Um, I, I, I'm not intrusive with my clients and ask them personal questions about their sex life. If they volunteer the information, I'm happy to hear it. And sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm, the things I'm doing in the gym are carrying over into the bedroom. That's great to hear.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but ultimately, like, we want to help women f- moms <laughs> feel sexier. And leaning into what that looks like and feels like to them, you know, the things that I that make me feel sexy are probably not going to necessarily be the same things for someone else. And we're still kind of trying to figure out what that messaging looks like for new people to to bring them in and mm-hmm. also continue to serve the clients we have. Like some of our clients are very religious, so talking about sexiness or Sexy is very taboo for them. And mm-hmm. I respect that we don't talk about those things with those clients,
2: but, mm-hmm.
1: you know, for the future of the brand, I really want to focus on confidence and sexiness and helping moms lean into that because I feel like it's something that's lost when you become a mom. Um, you know, it. I feel like there is some scrutiny around a mom leaning into being sexy. Like if I wear a short dress, I already know I'm going to get judged by whomever. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's fine. But wearing a short dress makes me feel sexy and empowered. And I do it for me. It's not Mm -hmm. for anyone else. I don't care that anybody else looks at me as like, Oh, she looks like a slut or whatever label they want to throw on me. Mm -hmm. But I think that, it's okay to want to feel sexy um, because sexy is an ideal. It's not an aesthetic. It looks different and it feels different to every person. So helping women tap into that and lean into that is something that my team and I are, are looking forward to doing once our rebrand is, is finalized.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's huge. I feel like it's a very untapped piece to talk about. Um, again, I'm not a mom, so I can't really speak to that, but I know like having kids is changes, your entire body changes, you know, the hormones in, in your, in your system and how you look at life and priorities change. And it's not uncommon for, for, you know, parents to kind of, I'll say become more roommates than Mm -hmm. sexual partners sometimes in the course of a relationship. And to me, I think, you know, it, it does happen. Um, but the fact that you want to help women feel sexy in their own skin again and make it their own. I think that's extremely powerful. It's going to be, I can sound it being difficult for sure, just because like it is taboo or taboo and there's, there's a ton of scrutiny behind it or stigma behind it. Like you you can't wear a crop top or you can't wear tight leggings around or whatever it might be. Um, So having women fight through that kind of mental barrier of, being judged potentially is going to be massive. It's exciting stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's like, who creates these ideals anyway of like moms can't be sexy. Moms can't wear a crop top or a short skirt or big stripper heels, whatever that looks like. Like who says that? And then like, no matter what you're going to be judged by other people, you could be mother Teresa. People are going to judge you either way. So you really should just be doing what feels good in your life and what you want your life to look like. Um, Sexy moms—that's very polarizing. I expect to get a lot of criticism and judgment, and people, you know, telling me that I'm sending a message of like, you know, what are we teaching our kids Mm -hmm. when when our moms are leaning into being sexy, but what are you teaching your kids when you are like denying a part of yourself that is important? Um, I don't talk about my personal sex life with my kids. We have age appropriate conversations around our bodies and all of that stuff. But like, I want my kids and I have boys, so it's, it's even probably weirder for them, (laughs) but I want my sons to understand that like, Women are powerful beings and whatever somebody wants to use their body for or however they want to present themselves, that's up to them. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to approve of it, but that doesn't mean that you have the right to shit on someone.
2: Yeah, I
0: love that. You're absolutely right. And I think, I think you will be, you're tough. You'll be able to handle whatever comes your way. But I think it's also important, like online, there's a ton of fluff. There's a ton of just vanilla, a ton of bullshit. So for you to come out and say something that's like, you got to almost pick a side to me, I see it as a good thing. If I put my, like my marketing hat on, I'm like, that's, that's what you want. You want to draw in people that are like, fuck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And you want to push away the people that Mm -hmm. aren't about that message. So Mm -hmm. I'm, like I said, I'm excited for it. I want to see kind of how it plays out Um, because I think it's, I think it's something that people need, you know, if, I've seen it happen with, with clients. I won't, I'm, I'm never name names, but I've seen marital issues happen while I'm in, uh, while I'm coaching them and things like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Problems between the two of them, whether one wants to change, one doesn't, whether one's leaning into something, whether one isn't. So having women come in and moms specifically come in and like prioritize your health and fitness, but also like you can feel sexy too. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you any less of a person, less of a mom. No, I think that's where that's where things can shift for moms. Like I said, I've never been one, but I can only speak to what I've seen.
1: Yeah. And ultimately when my team and I, we, we, when we were talking about like, what is it that lights us up and makes us want to show up and help our clients? Like, of course, like our clients losing inches and, you know, Losing body fat, going down in clothes sizes. Like, we love those wins and we really do celebrate them. But what we found that, like, really gets us at our core is helping women develop deeper relationships. And it's crazy to think that, like, eating better and exercising could go and affect every meaningful relationship in your life, but it does. Mm -hmm. And we were like, you know, we love hearing, like, I, because I lost this 40 pounds, like I am feeling more connected to my partner. I'm feeling more adventurous. And now I'm wearing lingerie that I never wore before I, you know, transform my body or my health. And I'm not even saying you have to lose 40 pounds for those things to happen. Like you mm-hmm. can start feeling sexy. Now you don't have to be at your goal size or whatever. It isn't mm-hmm. ideal. Um, For one, I think that if women just, got clothes that fit them properly at their current shape that would help it helps who cares what the number on the tag says like that's just an arbitrary number anyway like i it's another
0: mental battle that women have to face too i was gonna say there's sizing clothing sizing is such horseshit it is Um,
1: there's no consistency
0: no but i feel like again for women it's tougher because they've been conditioned to think of the number on the scale and the size that they wear Men don't have, like, men have their own pressures and, and, and things like that. We won't get into all that. Maybe that's for our, our trifecta episode. Um, but, like, for women, they're so attached. Like, oh, I was a six. so I was a size six. Or I was this weight. I can say personally, and I've had clients do the same, like, they are wearing bigger sizes, but they feel better. Exactly. Like, I used to be uncomfortable. Like, I used to wear those triple X tees. If you think back in my, like, hip-hop uh, teenage days. <laughs> Like those super long tees, I used to double up. Like I was very much just, I want to cover everything. Mm -hmm. And then I got to a phase where I'm like, okay, I'm wearing size large. This is awesome. This is where I want to be. And then over the last year and a half, now I'm wearing an XL. And this sweater I'm wearing currently is a double XL. So it was a little bit of a mental fight of like, what's going on? Is this good or bad? Like, how do I feel? But I'm like, well, fuck, who cares what the text says? It fits like that's, that's, and it's tough, I think, for women to to have that too.
1: It is. And Let me tell you, I was very skinny growing up. I could eat whatever and it never affected my weight or my body shape. I am just genetically blessed in that way. But after I had kids, it was not, it was not my, it's not how my body worked anymore. Um, and I was a zero, like even all the way up until having kids. And that's a very small size. Now your listeners probably can't see me. I'm a petite woman. I'm only five foot two and 116 pounds. But I am now in like a size three and I am 25 pounds bigger than I was before I had kids. And I love my body so much more. I, I could not care less about the stupid size on my clothing. There's mm-hmm. no consistency anyway. I can be a size three in it's one true. brand and <laughs> a seven in another, which is insane. And then like, I remember when I tried on my wedding dress, I was a size 12. And I was like, what? And then the wedding dress person was like, well, wedding dresses are like very different size than a regular dress. So
2: it's
1: dumbest shit ever. But if you can find clothes that fit you properly, then you're just, I don't know. I feel like it's that much easier to feel more confident in them.
0: Absolutely. You're not fighting against like the tightness or the the clothes you, you feel like you need to wear. Just put something on that you feel good in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to your point about food and exercise, helping relationships like we said it like you you eat better you feel better if you feel better you show up better you know if you start feeling better and wearing clothes that actually fit you know maybe you want to go on date night like that's another thing too like we haven't even talked about like spouses not ever going out on dates just because they have kids and i understand Mm -hmm. like babysitting could be really tough to find and things like that but that's been a staple in my relationship this year and we we moved to a new city where we didn't know a lot of people but like we're having date night minimum once a month and it's just like get away from the from the kids have some adult time that to me is one of the most powerful things that anybody can do for the relationship as well so you don't just feel like roommates all the time
1: i know i love that my husband and i have very different work schedules so it's so hard for us to get a date but every time we go on one we're like we need to make this (laughs) killer
2: thing (laughs) yeah
1: because it's so nice to reconnect and the funny thing is, I don't know about you and your wife, but we spend the whole time talking about our kids and looking at pictures of them.
0: Right? <laughs> so it's us parent today. You're like You're oh, like, what do they do today? Oh, yeah. and you just kind of recollect the whole. Yeah, it's funny.
1: And we're like, we can't wait to get away from the kids. And then we're at dinner. We're like, oh, look at this cute picture of them. <laughs> it's true. So just talk,
0: talk about them the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. But even like something, it's the small thing. It was like going out to dinner with kids versus going out to dinner without them. Ugh. That in itself is worth it for me like just going to dinner with my wife i'll look at him like this is nice it's quiet (laughs) you're not stressing over plates being tossed and food being thrown and shit like that yeah so to me sometimes that's just it yeah you need that mental break
1: we don't take our kids out very often
0: (laughs) it's fine don't yeah
1: (laughs) it's just i feel like i'm spending money to be insanely stressed out
0: yeah you'd be completely accurate I'm like,
1: one. I'm like, this is not a fun family outing. I am stressed. My one kid is like jumping up and down in his seat. The other one is ignoring us completely on his phone. So it's like, <laughs> I'm glad we just spent a hundred dollars to go home. And now I feel worse than before we left the house. <laughs>
0: True. Save that money and just cook at home and the same thing will happen.
1: <laughs> yes. Carry yeah. out. Yeah.
0: That's funny. Awesome. we got a couple minutes left. Um, so if you want to leave us with, uh, with either golden nugget or anything mm. we did touch on for, you know the rebranding of sexy moms and, and just anything to do with moms and fitness in general. We'd um, love to hear it.
1: Oh, golden nuggets. I don't know if I have any golden nuggets today, but I will say a common theme that I hear over and over again when I ask people why are these goals important to you because that is a conversation I have with every new person. Common theme is I want to be more confident. I cannot mm-hmm. tell you how many people say that. Almost every single one, and. Like we were talking about, you know, eating healthy and exercising and fixing your lifestyle carries in every area. If you want to be more confident, confidence doesn't come from like getting to that outcome goal. It's actually not as gratifying as people expect it to be. Like they get on the scale, it says 150, which is their goal number. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. But confidence comes from doing hard shit and executing not thinking about it. You have to actually do the things. And then when you realize, oh, okay, wow, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And I can get through these hard things and get through these uncomfortable situations. Then that confidence starts to show up in other areas. You're like, wow, if I can do this hard thing, well, then maybe I can ask my boss for that raise that I've deserved for the last four years. Um, Now I can have harder conversations with my partner about my needs and my desires, and it just it's so crazy how it just really does flow in every area of your life every time I tell people I'm like just eat better and exercise, and every other area will get better. they think I'm insane until it happens to them.
0: It's true, and it's it's they're not I don't want anyone listening to this thing that it's just like a snap of the finger type of change. Yeah. It, it does take some hard work, but that's that's the hard work I had two people in the last twenty four hours tell me how. Like it's not easy changing our behavior, and it hasn't been an easy journey. I'm like, it's not supposed to be. What was easy got you here? To make the change, you it has to be tough.
1: It's funny that people say that because creating their bad habits to begin with wasn't easy either. Like some bad habits that people have, I feel like they go out of their way to make these bad habits. Um, Whereas, like you know, changing any habit is going to be a feat. Like when you were a little kid and your parents were teaching you to brush your teeth two times a day, Mm. you know, you have kids. They probably put up a fight. Mine do still every day at 13. Even I'm like, but eventually it clicks and you realize, okay, I have to do these things. I don't want to do them. I have to do them. You just do them. You just do them.
0: Yep.
1: And it happens.
0: Yep. That's where fitness is not sexy. You just do it.
1: Yeah. I don't want to work out every day. I do but i've never regretted it ever. That's
0: and that's that's no. it, right? Yeah. You're not letting your emotions in the moment dictate your actions. No. Yeah. No. Huge.
1: Your goals do not give a shit about your feelings. I'm sorry. You got that's, to emotionally detach. That's
0: the nugget right there. <laughs> Where can everyone find you? I'll leave it in the show notes, but let everyone know.
1: Um, you can find me on Instagram at A-S-S as and sam fitness1. Um, I also have a private Facebook group for women. It's called Women's Fat Loss and Anti-Dieting Secrets. Nice. It's because we don't diet.
0: Hell yeah. I'll put the links to that in the show notes. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure chatting and I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you so much, John.
0: Awesome. Thanks, everyone.